We made it to November, everybody. Yay, 2020 is almost over. We are going to bring you some more wonderful healers to discuss what goes on in the world of COVID-19 with all of the stress. We actually have International Stress Awareness Day on November 4th, ironically, the day after the election. We have Veterans Day, November 11th. We have International Survivors of Suicide Day on November 23rd. It's a, it's a month of gratitude, though. It's a month of being thankful for what we do have. Um, it's World Kindness Day on November 13th, which falls on a Friday this year. So that should be fun. So we're very happy you're here. We're very happy that you've decided to listen to this podcast. And we'd love for you to write a review if you're enjoying it, share it with somebody else, or if you're interested in sponsoring, please reach out. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to November. We made it another month of 2020. And I'm very excited to um, have this guest here today. I'm going to be learning about him right along with you. Um, I love how some people enter my life. And uh, David just told me, David Mathis is here. I'm going to introduce him and, and do the right thing, let you all know who he is. But um, got reached out to via Facebook Messenger, a mutual connection of David's. And it turns out that you know my neighbor. And um, just I just love how technology and the universe puts us all together to have great conversations because you have one heck of a story. David Mathis is here with us today. Um, we have all the bio information, but I, I want to make sure that I honor the fact that you are a veteran because we love us some veterans here at the Dr. Whisperer. Uh, you hold a master's in exercise science from USF. Woohoo! Yep. And you're an online nutrition and strength coach, which I can't wait to hear about. Um, but you also have written a great book called A Shell of Myself, which I ordered before we got on this today. So excellent. we've both said Amazon is the one going to get rich, not me and you, but right. we wrote these books to help people. So David, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Please tell everybody about who you are and, um, and, and your journey. Well, I appreciate you having me. And uh, yeah, I mean, social media is actually being used for something good nowadays. So this is great. Um, so my name is David Mathis. I, uh, I'll be 36 in a couple of weeks. So I guess I'm just going to go ahead and round up and say I'm 36. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, why not? With the rest um, of now, you want to round up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I just, I just buzzed my head last night. So I look about 21 again. Um, but no, I, uh, yeah, I have a master's in exercise science from the University of South Florida. Um, I am an online strength and physique coach, which we'll get back into in a minute. Um, I served four years as an army combat medic veteran, um, from 09 to 13, I did a deployment in Iraq. We were stationed over in Baghdad for a year. Um, and I'm happily married for a year and a half now. My wife and I got married in March of 2019, and we have four fur babies <laughs> that keep us very, very busy. I love um, just a, a sports nut, love working out, uh, love hunting and guns and archery, and basically all all American boy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So 
you and I have a few things in common. Um, we've both been the underdog yep. for a while in life. And um, we both relate to the fact that we like to be able to show people that are suffering today or have suffered in the past that there is hope right. for a brighter future. So um, very impressive having your masters in anything, but um, especially, uh, you know, with nutrition and strength coach, I know how much work goes into understanding, you know, all about nutrition. And I'm excited to hear more from you about it because of course, as a woman, well, and men, we all struggle and uh, COVID-19 put on the COVID-19 pounds, you know, that's what everybody says. So, yeah. but you, um, I love the, the name of your book, A Shell of Myself. So why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about how you came to write that book, A Shell of Myself? So it's, um, it's a project that I've wanted to work on for a few years now. And like anything, I'm sure most listeners can attest to, life gets in the way and things happen. And, um, you know, it was never really good timing. I, I started grad school. <laughs> I got married. Like it just, business was starting to take off. It was just never a really good time. And COVID hit. So um, I actually, my wife and I, I had taken her to, we'd already planned on it, but we were in New York on March 12th to celebrate our one year anniversary, right when the lockdown started. Like literally the day that we got in, we were two hours away from uh, going to see a Broadway show and New York City got shut down. Oh, so show? we, yeah, we were gonna go see um, Aladdin, Aladdin on Broadway. And it was something, it was a Christmas present slash anniversary present. But during that trip, we spent the next three days just wandering around the streets of New York. Nothing was open. Luckily, there were still some restaurants open. So we were able to do that, but we couldn't do Statue of Liberty, 9-11 Memorial, nothing we had planned. Mm. So I had a lot of time to think. And I'm like, you know what? This looks like it's going to be a while, right? So when we got home, I decided that I was going to just dig into this book. I mean, I... I didn't have grad school anymore. Um, you know, obviously with things being shut down, all I had to concentrate on was work, but I didn't have all this other side stuff going on. So I had a lot of time and I figured this was a great opportunity to take advantage of this. What comes from it, I don't know, but it's a, I feel that like I'm at a point in my life now that my story is obviously not complete, <laughs> but it is, to, it is wrapped up to a point where it could really, really help people learning from, you know, everything from my depression. Actually, I start back in my childhood. This goes all the way back into my childhood um, before things even got bad because I learned during therapy and therapy was the only way that really helped me get over all this, um, that a lot of my issues actually started back in childhood, but didn't really manifest until in my mid twenties, early to mid twenties. Um, so I, I talk about my parents' divorce. I talk about um, you know, just my life growing up, how it was great. I honestly had a really good upbringing for having divorced parents and step parents and stuff like that. Um, but I also talk about heartbreak. I talk about, uh, loss of a friend, tragedy. I lost, I talk about some unfortunate instances that happened during my military career. Um, and just how that all kind of cascaded into, spilling over and, and turning into an eating disorder and um, OCD, anxiety, depression. Um, you know, there's a few times in there where 
you know, thought of taking my life had occurred to me. Um, and these are all things that I tried to describe as best in detail as I could because I wanted people to get the full spectrum of what the thought process was, what the actions looked like, what the feelings were. Um, and then I go into the recovery process. And I, I think the big thing I want people to take away from this book is that you can seem like you're having everything going well, right? You, but if you're not dealing with issues as they come about, they're going to cascade. And then, you know, I, I kind of talk about it. I describe this um, with a lot of my clients that I work with about stress, where the body is just like a pool of stress, right? Stress from work, stress from your relationship, stress from working out, all this stuff. And it only takes one little drop of water to make that thing overflow. Mm. And it starts affecting every part of your life. And that's kind of what happened with me is that I didn't deal with this stuff as it was happening. And it just kind of kept cascading. I would hold it in. I would deal with it, deal with it. Like I thought I was dealing with it. Right. And then it just one certain circumstance happened that just kind of set me over the edge. And I just kind of went into screw it mode, you know, and um, I blame myself. I was angry at myself. I was taking things out of myself. And I just wasn't mentally healthy enough to deal with it on my own. And it got to a point where I actually ended up in the um, ICU at base for, well, I was in the ICU for about a week. Um, and then I was in the hospital total for about a month um, where my weight dropped down to 94 pounds. My resting heart rate was 25. Um, like they called my parents and flew them up to base because they didn't think I was going to make it through the night. Wow. And so I talk about all this in the book and I, there's a lot of things in here that might question. Let me, let yeah, me sorry for a minute. Um, just cause I'm, I, I like the timeline of things. So yeah. what was it that kind of, what was it that hit you first? Was it the depression? Was it the eating disorder? What, you know, talk us through a little bit of, of what happened first, because you're away, right? You're in the military, you're in the army, yeah. um, away from home. How old were you? So, I was, when I went into the military, I was 24, okay. but the depression and all that actually had started a couple years earlier. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of one of those manageable depressions, if sure. I can use that term. Um, it you actually kind of started in, then. You, you didn't have any help then. No, no, I didn't have any help until after I was out of the hospital. Gotcha. Um, you know, it, a lot of the depression started around, probably age 20 to 21, um, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a good friend, um, just a couple of things. I had some family moving away and it just, a lot of these abandonment feelings started coming up. Sure. Um, but I was still in my college environment. I still had friends, you know, so it was kind of hidden. Mm -hmm. It was kind of, you know, suppressed a little bit. Um, but everything kind of started escalating once I got into the military and, thoughts of, you know, I had fear, I had anxiety, um, I had loneliness, all this stuff started happening um, and coming up and it just kind of cascaded from there. Um, but the depression and stuff was really looking back on it, the first thing that hit. Right. Um, a lot of sadness, a lot of anger, mm -hmm. depression, things like that, um, that I kind of just kept bottled up. Right. And I just found a way to deal with it without actually dealing with it. Right. Well, I, I asked you this way because, you know, I think a lot of people believe that 
you know, so I was an addict, right? So I talk about this all the time, a drug addict, alcoholic. I, and there are many addictions out there that um, like work or eating disorders or OCD um, that people don't kind of put that together, that they, they don't associate it as the same thing as an addiction, work addiction, right? Right. Guilty, been there. So yeah. I think that it's um, important, right, that we, we um, almost honor that time in your life that you started with depression, and now, now you're going through what then was an eating disorder. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I guess if I had to put it in timeline, because at, at some point it's all just, right. just one big mess, right? <laughs> so I think the eating disorder started a lot when I went into basic training. That's also when the OCD started. So it was kind of hand in hand because if anybody is listening to this that's familiar with military life, it's very regimented, right? Um, the eating disorder, I think, started occurring because, number one, it was a, it was a way for me to control things. Mm-hmm. I felt out of control. I felt like I didn't have any control. Um, and that's an underlying theme of the whole book is that I do this stuff when I feel like I don't have control. Because mm-hmm. a lot of mental health issues is a control, especially OCD, eating disorders, things like that. So, you know, we would get used to not knowing when we were going to eat or being rushed to eat and then having to go work out afterwards. So I always equated this feeling of eating and working out, eating and working out, like never being able to just sit there and enjoy food. Mm-hmm. And then you couple that with learning about, I mean, I was already a type A personality going into it. But then you add like, this is like type A on steroids. <laughs> and, then, and then it's like every little thing to the dot. And I mean, I get into some really big, great detail in the book about how extreme my OCD got later on, even. Um, so I would say it probably went from the depression to simultaneously eating disorder and OCD. Um, and then, you know, all, all of this was really driven by fear and just not feeling like I had control over my life, Mm -hmm. which is ironic because I went into it knowing I wasn't going to have control. Mm -hmm. But I think at that time in my life, I was, no matter how much I can sit here and tell you right now that how proud I am of of serving and how it was one of the best decisions of my life, because I thoroughly, thoroughly believe that. I think that at the time of my life, I was running away Mm -hmm. from something. Mm-hmm. Now I know what that was. I was running away from these feelings that I thought would go away when I went into the army. Mm-hmm. Um, now I would not trade even even the bad stuff that happened during that time in the army. I still want to trade this to this day. There's there's a lot of times that I've looked back and I wish I was still in. Mm-hmm. And this would have been, I mean, I would have been going on 12 years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a big part of me that misses it. But mm-hmm. I understood that for my health when my four years were up, I had to get, I had to get out. I had to get help that I needed. Um, it just wasn't the right environment for me to be healthy at the time. Um, but I, I loved everybody I served with. I loved being a soldier. I really did. Um, but I didn't learn until therapy afterwards and going through treatment centers and stuff like that, that I just mentally was not in the right headspace to be able to continue. I needed to get out. I needed to hit rock bottom. And, you know, the the title of the book, A Shell of Myself, I was sitting there thinking like, what do I call this, right? Like, what do I title this book? 
-hmm. and I was just rereading like this one section in it and that's how I described myself in the book was I felt like a shell of myself like Mm -hmm. it was me but it wasn't me in here and I talk about how I described a therapist the best I could what it felt like during that time and it was if you can imagine yourself as like a puppet right and you're like you're like up here looking down on yourself doing all these actions, but you have no control over it. That's what it felt like. Like I knew what I was doing wasn't good, whether it was the over-exercising, the, the under-eating, just all this stuff, the OCD, everything. I knew what I was doing were just was just tearing me down, mm-hmm. but I could not control it. It was like looking down on myself and somebody was controlling me and I couldn't do anything for it. And, you know, that's the, the name, a shell of myself. That was just the best description I could give. And I thought that's it was a perfect title. title. Yeah. What was the catalyst? Because let's be real, David, not a lot of men are um, chomping at the bit to go and get therapy. Hey, quick interruption on this amazing podcast, but we have to tell you about our awesome sponsor, Thai Technology. They are so cool, and they're here in Tampa Bay, if you're a Tampa Bay listener. Thai Technology is the best voice over IP business phone service company out there. How do I know this? I used to work in telecom before I work with doctors. That's right. So I know me a good phone system when I see it. Plus, they are integrated with Zoom. They are the only ones that are integrated with Zoom. And if you mention this podcast or you mention the Facebook show, they're going to hook you up with three months for free. Follow them on Facebook and on Instagram. Thai Technology Rocks. And uh, especially our our veterans, which I applaud you for um, taking that step and getting that help. You know, one of my many missions in life is to to make therapy, uh, you know, like it's weird if you don't go instead of it's weird if you do go. So what was the catalyst of you jumping into getting help? Well, right before I get into that, I just want to touch on what you just said. We go to the doctor when we're sick, right? We go to the doctor if we break a leg. We go to the doctor. Why not go to the doctor when we're having issues with our brain? Our, our brain is the biggest tool that we have nothing else operates without it. So it doesn't make sense to stigmatize going to therapy. Like I, so that I agree with you. Like that's one of my missions. That's why I decided to write this book is number one. I, I didn't feel ashamed anymore. I was really embarrassed for a lot of years and I was ashamed. And now I've been over that for many years now, but um, it wasn't easy. (laughs) It wasn't easy. That's probably what made me decline so much is that, I didn't know to even go for help. I didn't even know that I had an issue, to be honest. I mean, I kind of did, but like I wasn't really wanting to uh, succumb to it because everything I was doing was keeping me inside feeling like I had control and I didn't want anybody to take that away from me. So until I was forced to go, I I wouldn't have gone. And I was. What that looks like. What do you mean you were forced to go? It was part of my duty. Because okay. I, I was still in the army, my duty—they literally for four or five months. My duty station <laughs> was rehab. It was an inpatient facility. Mm-hmm. So, like, I—I I had to. I had no choice. 
I mean, anybody that knows when you're a soldier, you don't have a choice. It's wherever, wherever, whatever your duty is, that's what it is. Um, so in that essence, I'm thankful that I didn't have control over it because the, the one thing, you know, the, the army life and all this other stuff that I felt was taking a lot of control over me is the same thing that saved my life Yeah. because it forced me to go actually get help. Now uh, in the book, I talk about it. I was not open to it. I was not accepting of it. I did what I could to get out of there, mm -hmm. but then I went right back into my ways and, you know, I ended up in another treatment facility, which that one ended up actually working, but that's because I allowed it to work. Mm -hmm. I had finally gotten to a point in my life and that was a couple years down the road where I was just sitting there. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't want to feel like this. I don't want to do this. And it's not like things changed overnight. It was just, that was the catalyst that allowed me to propel on the path that I'm still on. And, um, it's not easy. And, you know, society, I don't even want to say media, but society in general, makes it very difficult for anybody to go to therapy. But I thought it was really important to write this book from a, a male's perspective because eating disorders are way more prominent in males than people think. Mm. Way more prominent. Um, and I just knew that like, if somebody could actually see me who, who has overcome it and has actually done something, but then can actually see that, you know, like I was a military man who mm. did this, maybe it would give them a lot more, um, I don't want to say freedom, but just hope that like they can come out and they can seek the help. Cause it's like, let's be honest. Like it, there's not anything actually, I want to take this back. This is what I thought at the time. Like nothing is more embarrassing than a military man suffering from an eating disorder. Right. That was my thought process way back then. So I know so many people have that sort of thought process that like, listen, this is embarrassing that I'm a guy and I'm dealing with this or, you know, not even this the eating disorder. I talk about relationship issues. I talk about work stress. I talk about all that stuff. So there's something in this book for everybody, I think, mm -hmm. but just to understand that you're not alone or maybe your situation isn't as bad as what you think it is. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that helps people reach out and get help. So, yeah, I mean, I you never hear men speaking about eating disorders. Now, never is a very big word, but it is so rare. It and, is. Um, you know, I don't even flinch when anybody tells me whatever they're going through because I know that everybody has something. Like, there is yep. not one person in the world, especially in a pandemic, that isn't going through something. And the more people like yourself that speak up, you know, and I mention this all the time, there's, there's only one reason why that Me Too movement worked, and that was because Me Too, right? Yeah. People so, up. Yeah, we start to feel um, uh, a little less alone when we hear of others that have gone through the same things and then overcome it. So I want to talk about now um, your journey, right? So now you've, you've gotten the help that you need. You, you come out of the army and you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my purpose and turn it into a passion. Or I'm going to take my passion and turn it into purpose, what, however yeah. you want to look at it. Um, tell me a little bit about that. So, um, actually when I came out of the army, I still wasn't good yet. Mm -hmm. I still had, I, I went to another inpatient facility a little bit after outside of the army. So it wasn't like directly out of the army. I was good. I still had a couple more years, but when I did get on that good path, um, 
there's a couple things. Number one, I knew I always wanted to be, I always thought I was going to be a professional athlete, but what kid doesn't, right? I just love sports. I love training. I love the human body. Um, And so I always knew that I wanted to do something with that. That's part of the reason why I went in to be a combat, to be a medic in the army. Um, But all these experiences kind of changed what that looked like to me. So no longer did I want to be like a, a college strength and conditioning coach. Not only had I learned more about it, but my experiences had shaped my view of where I wanted my life to go a little differently. Um, also during that time of recovery, I was watching a lot of people on YouTube that were educated and did research and was actually explaining things in a very scientific way and how the body actually works, not what we think it does. And so that got me really interested in wanting to actually go back and learn more about it so that I could help people not only lose weight or build muscle or do any of that, um, but help teach them. Because I, I don't think that the body, I don't think that the human body and health is taught enough. I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there that get a lot of people in trouble. I've listened to about every single one of them, have done pretty much almost every single one of them when I was younger. Um, And I didn't want people to not only be as far behind in their physical and physique goals that they wanted, but I wanted them to actually understand why this stuff is important. So that made me start thinking more about going and getting my master's in exercise science and learning more about it to be able to coach people and teach them more a little, uh, teach them a little bit more, I'm sorry, because the more we know, the more firepower we have at our disposal, right? And I'm just sick and tired. I, I was very sick and tired at the time because I, like I said, I followed a lot of those misconceptions and they mm-hmm. took me down the wrong path. Mm-hmm. And I did not want people to hear that anymore. I wanted to at least be a voice out there that people could turn to, to either coach them or that they could learn from. So, you know, I work with a lot of clients now, but I also put out a lot of free content on Instagram and YouTube, Facebook, um, just to try to help educate as many people as possible. So I knew that I wanted to take my experiences, my passion, and make that my purpose moving forward. It just, it just kind of evolved into something a little different than what I had expected it to be growing up. Sure, sure. Um, so this online coaching that you do, I'm, I'm very yep. interested in it. I have, um, I think I know what you're talking about. I did skim some of your social and... Um, I have probably been on every single diet known to man. Um, I have done keto. I have done, um, you know, HCG. I've done, I work with doctors, so I have a lot of access to a lot of things. I've had cool sculpting, you know, I mean, I was the guinea pig for a lot of the practitioners that I work with. I'm not, at no fault of theirs, you know, they were like, do you want to lose 10 pounds in five minutes? And I'm like, sign me up, man. You know, like you can't. I'm an addict. Like I'm ready for that solution really fast instead of doing the work, which is a lot of work. So for my own self personally, since the beginning of this year, I've been working out every morning online with an online um, course that I love. And um, I feel so much better, you know, like just eating right and not being so hard on myself. I'm sure that there's a lot to that. So why don't you tell everybody what, what you teach and what, what resources do you have available for people? Because I'm, I'm quite sure as uh, somebody who holds a, a master's in exercise science, 
that you're not big on the old fad diets. No, no, I'm not. And actually, um, so the way that I coach my clients is uh, through a method called flexible dieting. What it is, is I don't do meal plans. I don't tell people what they can eat. I don't tell people what they can't eat. There are no good foods. There are no bad foods. There's just food. All food is broken down into energy. Now, obviously, we, we want to make the majority of that, you know, whole micronutrient dense, nutritious food, right? But when we start getting dogmatic into this is a good food or this is a bad food, not only does it um, hurt our body, because what we're going to end up doing is craving that stuff later on and binge eating on it. But we're also going to start developing a negative mental connotation with food. Mm -hmm. And food, we have to be realistic about what food is in our society. Yes, it's fuel, but it's also entertainment. Mm -hmm. And we have so many things that revolve around it, right? So we teach people how to count macros. So protein, carbs, uh, and fats. Those are, the, those are the, the three building blocks. Those are the three macronutrients. When you understand and you have certain targets that you need to hit for each one, and, and I help people figure out based on their lean body mass and, and their goals, what kind of targets they need. Those three are what add up for your calories, protein, carbs, and fats. You know, a gram of protein is four calories, a gram of carb is four calories, a gram of fat is nine calories. That's what builds the bulk of, that's what builds your calories, right? So when we understand, first of all, how many calories we need overall, and how many protein grams, carbs, and fat grams we have, we have a lot more flexibility in our life, right? Not everything is going to be perfect. You're not going to always be able to meal prep everything, right? You're not always going to be um, on the same schedule every day. We, we live busy lives, right? Especially doctors, lawyers, you know, people like that. They're on different schedules. So when we can educate people more about the importance of protein, what carbs do, what fats do in the body, and get them to understand that uh, we have to let go of this dogmatic view of what's a good food and what's a bad food, because that's what's holding a lot of people back. You've seen so many people that fail on, um, on like meal plans, on diets. The reason is, is because it's not sustainable. So what we try to do is help create a more sustainable way of living. You know, if you're out on vacation, you can still pick items that hit your carb, your fat, and your protein targets, right? Um, and trying to get people out of this black and white way of thinking. Um, at the end of the day, what the, the two most important things that matter are your overall calories and how much protein you get, because protein is the most important macronutrient that the body has. Mm -hmm. When it comes to weight loss or weight gain, plenty have studies, there's been meta-analysis done that show that when protein and overall calories are equated for, however you split up carbs and fats don't matter for weight loss. So that also is a, is a technique that I use with some people that get very um, anxious about trying to hit every number exactly. Just tell them, listen, just hit your protein number and hit your overall calories. However, carbs and fats mix and match that day, as long as it adds up to those calories, you're good. So it's a way of helping people take the stress and anxiety out of the dieting process or any process, because we use this for gaining weight too, or building muscle or prepping for a bodybuilding show. Um, it's just a more sustainable way of coaching. Yeah. I think you bring up a great point. You know, it really is all about everything starts in our brains, right? So mm -hmm. what 
whatever we tell ourselves about, I had a doctor say to me once, I, I told him, I'm, you'll love this because I saw your recent post about intermittent fasting. And I said, you know, on Monday, I said, I'm going to start my intermittent fasting. And he said, Monday, huh? You know, what'd you do over the weekend? I'm like, oh man, I just threw down. I was eating like crazy. He goes, well, it sounds like you're punishing yourself then on Monday. I was like, yeah, I think you're right. You know, and, yep. and it really, really um, changed my mindset. Like I, I do a lot and I think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people equate um, eating and then punishment and then I'll be good. It's all this, I'm going to be yep. good. I'm going to go nuts over the holidays. It's all of what we speak and um, right. it's a very important connection um, that you're, you're making within your practice. Um, I'm really excited to have had the opportunity to talk to you. I'm sure we could talk Thank for you. another hour. Um, but I want everybody to make sure that they check out the book. It's available on Amazon. It's called A Shell of Myself. And I want to thank you for serving our country. I want to thank you for what you're doing today. I want, I'm sure that you help a lot of people based on your personal experience, because that, that really shows that you have a, a passion for what you're doing today. So thank you for all you're doing, David. Well, I appreciate you having me on and um, yeah, any, any chance I get to come on shows like this podcast of yours and others, I, I really jump at the opportunity because um, there's a lot of voices out there that shouldn't be heard. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to be one of those voices that people feel should be heard. So thank you so much. No, I appreciate you so much. Thank you. And enjoy the beautiful weather that we're having today, which is probably going to go away very soon. As we it's both. gorgeous. Gorgeous. <laughs> today. Thanks everybody for joining. Bye. Don't forget to check out Thai Technology. Anyone that mentions this podcast or the Facebook show will receive three free months of service. T-I-E Technology. Check them out. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. We would love it if you subscribed. This way you'll get notified every time there's a new episode, which in fact are Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Please feel free to leave a review. It really helps us and we appreciate your support. Thank you.